Hello, everyone, and happy Wednesday. Welcome back to another episode of Chasing Childhood, a weekly podcast where we revisit our childhood favorite movies and video games to see if they still hold up as adults. And today's episode is special because it marks one week till our 50th episode slash one year anniversary. That's right. And like we said last week, we wanted to each choose different nostalgic movies leading up to our 50th episode. Again, these are not our favorites. They are simply movies that we wanted to revisit, that we remembered from our childhood. Last week was Steph's Choice, The Land Before Time. Go listen if you haven't already. Do it. Yeah, and this week is Lex's Choice with the 2003 film Kangaroo Jack. First, we'll get into some behind-the-scenes information about the making of this film, then share some fun facts, and lastly, decide whether Kangaroo Jack deserves its horrible critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes (laughs) or not. And make sure to stay tuned till the end. We have a big announcement, and you don't want to miss it. All right, let's jump into it. Yes. Kangaroo Jack is a 2003 crime comedy film produced by Jerry Bruckheimer Films, known for films like Pirates of the Caribbean, Top Gun, and Bad Boys. Oh, snap! Right? And Warner Media-owned company Castle Rock Entertainment, responsible for creating When Harry Met Sally, Miss Congeniality, and Seinfeld. Double O snap! Kangaroo Jack was directed by David McNally. The story was created by Steve Bing and Barry O'Brien, and Bing also wrote the screenplay with Scott Rosenberg. Wow. So the music in this film was created by Trevor Rabin, and the star-studded cast includes Jerry O'Connell, Anthony Anderson, Estella Warren, Michael Shannon, which is funny because I never knew his name before this, and he's in everything, like Knives Out. You didn't know who Michael Shannon was? <laughs> I knew he, I knew his face, but I didn't know his name. He's one of those, like, like uh, Molly Shannon. I wonder if they're related. Like Molly Shannon, who's in literally everything. And I never knew her name until a few months ago. (laughs) And Christopher Walken with Adam Garcia as the uncredited voice of Kangaroo Jack. And I also didn't recognize Adam Garcia's name, but apparently he's the guy who plays Stu Wolf in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen with Lindsay Lohan and Megan Fox. Oh my God, you're so right. Wow. It's so random. Like... (laughs) The most random fact, but yeah. Love it. (laughs) Kangaroo Jack was theatrically released on January 17th, 2003 to massive critic rejection. Yikes. But despite the negative reception, it was considered a box office success at the time since it grossed $88.1 million on a $60 million budget. Warner Home Video released the film on DVD and VHS on June 24th, 2003, and apparently an animated sequel titled Kangaroo Jack Gooday USA was produced and released direct-to-video in 2004. <laughs> I kind of want to watch name. that one. <laughs> just to see. Gooday USA. Yeah. And the fact that it's animated, I'm like, who doesn't love an animated film? I, I kind of want to watch this now. <laughs> So if you have, if you've never had the pleasure of seeing a kangaroo rap or just haven't seen this film since the early 2000s, here's a short summary of the plot written by an anonymous author on IMDb. Two childhood friends, a New York hairstylist and a would-be musician, get caught up with the mob and are forced to deliver $50,000 to Australia. But things go haywire when the money is lost to a wild kangaroo. What? Quick question. If you've seen this movie, what about Lewis? Makes you think he is a would-be musician. I'm just, I'm at a loss. I feel like he has a throwaway line at the beginning where he says something like that, but I'm like, I don't (laughs) think that that's 
what? He raps during like one part of this movie and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> He's got like bars. he sang along in a car once. Right. He's a like, would-be musician. <laughs> like, I guess all oh of us goodness. are would-be musicians at this point. <laughs> right? I mean, I sing when I'm in the car, so same. In the car, in the shower, you know? <laughs> right? Mixtape dropping soon, everyone. It won't be good. We promise. <laughs> it will not. It'll be better than Kangaroo Jack, but it won't be good. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So jumping into our fun facts. Yay! This movie was actually inspired by an urban legend about a pair of Boston College students on break in Australia. While driving through the outback, they accidentally hit a kangaroo with their Land Rover. Thinking that they had killed it, they got out and placed the driver's Boston Red Sox jacket on the kangaroo to take a picture before moving on. However, the kangaroo was nearly unconscious and awoke in the midst of the photo taking. It broke free and took off across the outback, still wearing the Sox jacket, along with the keys to the Land Rover in the pocket. Oh my gosh. Right? <laughs> that's gotta be fake. There's no way. I mean, it says it's an urban legend, so I don't know if that's what? actually true. <laughs> right. But I kind of like it. That would be hilarious, honestly. Honestly, I always say that truth is stranger than fiction, so it could be. It could be real. Oh, definitely. Definitely. My first fun fact is that Castle Rock Entertainment was founded by five men. One of them, one of the co-founders was Rob Reiner, who made the princess bride right he actually named the company in honor of the fictional main town of the same name castle rock um that serves as this as the setting of several stories by author stephen king which in itself is named after the fictional mountain fort in william golding's 1954 novel lord of the flies that's actually really funny because they've actually made a tv series called castle rock based on stephen king's universe <laughs> Oh my gosh, Castle Rock did? Uh, well, no, there's an actual TV series that is called Castle Rock oh. based on Stephen King's universe that takes place in Castle Rock, Maine. And it's gotcha. it's actually very good if you like spooky, creepy, yeah. psychological horror stuff. Right. Sorry, I thought you were saying that Castle Rock Entertainment made it. And I was like, what? That's crazy. That's kind of like narcissistic in a way. But at the same time, it's like, if you know you're great, do great things. No, no. That was the first thing I thought of when I saw Castle Rock. I was like, that's also a TV show. Very interesting. And now that you said that it's based on Stephen King, I'm like, of course it is. Everything, everything comes back to Stephen King. Always. Okay, so my second fun fact is that trailers for the movie emphasized the tacked-on talking kangaroo scene, which gave audiences a false impression that this was a family film involving a talking kangaroo. <laughs> Posters also emphasized the kangaroo. The misleading publicity is often credited with the film achieving the number one box office spot on opening weekend. Industry observers said later, if the film had been more honestly portrayed as what it was, as a gangster comedy with some pretty adult humor, it probably would have failed. That is hilarious. They finessed them. <laughs> I love it. I could just imagine all the parents bringing their like five-year-old children to see this film like, oh, it's a movie about kangaroos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people were upset. And Christopher Walken comes on the screen and they're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> Yeah, people were upset. Adults were upset. Critics were upset. Everyone was very pressed about this. I love that so much. <laughs> Is it morbid that I actually love that, that I kind of wish I was there for that? <laughs> But yeah, so our last fun fact is actually something kind of crazy from our childhood. So 
Recently, Anthony Anderson was guest hosting for Jimmy Kimmel and interviewed director and writer James Gunn since he had just done the new Suicide Squad movie. Anthony talked about how the two men met in the early 2000s to discuss Anthony doing a movie that James Gunn was writing, but they both had mentioned that they hadn't seen each other since because Anthony Anderson ended up doing Kangaroo Jack instead of this other movie. The other movie was the live-action Scooby-Doo with Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. What? <laughs> I had no idea that James Gunn wrote that movie, and maybe this is a fun fact for the Scooby-Doo movie, but Anthony Anderson was almost in Scooby-Doo instead of Kangaroo Jack. Oh, I'm kind of sad that he wasn't. <laughs> right? I love the live-action Scooby-Doo, yeah. and I love Anthony Anderson, so I'm kind of upset. I'm almost like... To be fair, the live-action Scooby-Doo does not have a lot of diversity in it. There's only, I think, yeah. one character of color, and it's the man on the beach. And of course, he's a voodoo. Yeah. He's a voodoo guy. So yeah. I'm like, was that supposed to be Anthony Anderson? I don't... Right? <laughs> but, wow. Oh, I'm so... I'm kind of sad about that. I kind of wish it had been him. <laughs> right? I love Anthony Anderson. <laughs> I wish they would have made him the um, Mr... What's his name? The guy that Mr. Bean plays. Oh, my god! I forget his name. Um... It's like a really long name. It's like Mr. Mug Mondavarius. Mr. Mondavarius. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love it. I wish he would have been Mr. Mondavarius. That would have been actually really good. I love that. <laughs> right? So let's get into our rewatch. How much did we watch this as kids? My brother and I watched this a lot. <laughs> a lot <Yes>. together. <laughs> I watched it. I feel like I watched it with you guys a bunch of times as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was... I wouldn't call it a staple of our household, but we did watch it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's actually really sad how much we watched this movie together. It's sad how much of it I remembered before rewatching it. <laughs> It was so funny because it got to a point I was really busy today and it got to a point where I didn't even know if I could rewatch this movie. And I was like, you know, I could probably just like close my eyes and <laughs> project the movie on the back of my eyelids at this point. But here we are, guys. We did we, it. We rewatched it. We're, we're here. You know, it's it's just we'll get into it. It's got a lot of memorable things about it. So Yeah. So did you have any nostalgic memories of watching this as a kid? I think the two main things that I remembered from this film, and you're going to die when you hear this. <laughs> the first one isn't that funny. So it's literally the the only line that still sticks in my head is when um, Anthony Anderson's character is voicing a kangaroo during like an unconscious dream for Jerry O'Connell's character. And he's basically like, the next time you're in the ocean drowning... Call free Willie. Let Willie set you free. <laughs> and I said that to my sister about 50 times over the weekend. And she smacked me every single time. She is like so annoyed. The only other thing I remember from this movie, and anyone from Maryland is going to know exactly what I'm talking about, <laughs> is the Eastern Motors song. I don't know what the name <laughs> of the actual song is. <laughs> But anyone from the DMV knows that there is this one song that goes like, at Eastern Motors, your job's your credit, at Eastern Motors. <laughs> You're right, though. And they're like, Ford, Honda, Chevy dealers, and minivans, over 600 cars, trucks. And I'm like, 
I don't know why I know that entire commercial by heart, but anyone from the DMV knows exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> that song is in this movie, like the actual song, and I don't know who sings it. All I think of is the Eastern Motors version. They've corrupted my brain. You should look up what the album is for this movie and find out. Right? <laughs> they have corrupted my brain. What about you? That's so funny. <laughs> um... So the scene that actually I remember the most from when I was a kid was when he's learning how to throw the bolo and he's like, I am bolo man. (laughs) throwing it. And I always remember that because my brother used to throw things in our backyard. We had, we, I think we had like, we played ladder golf, maybe not at our house, but somewhere. And my brother (laughs) threw it and would just scream, I am bolo man. (laughs) I just... I always think of it when that part happens. Oh my gosh. I can only imagine the two of you, like five years old, running around your backyard throwing bolos <laughs> at each other. Oh yeah. <laughs> like, like you roping his his legs. I literally can't. We would. We would too. Right. So what was it like for us to rewatch this as adults? Whew, well <laughs> takes deep breath well I didn't hate it I didn't hate it on my rewatch yeah we should probably start off with um me forcing you to text your Australian (laughs) friends and ask them okay well to be fair if they like kangaroo jack (laughs) yeah so I texted one Australian friend and one New Zealand friend (laughs) and the Australian friend Hi, Becca. She said that... Hi, Becca. (laughs) She said that, yes, they do love it there because it is such an overdone trope of what Australia actually is and how things are actually portrayed there. So she was like, yeah, we love it. It's like Crocodile Dundee. It's like so over the top and such a caricature. Oh, my God. Which... Makes sense. Yes. Totally makes sense. I kind of feel that way when people do over the top American movies or, you know, making fun of Americans. I'm like, yes. yeah, you know what? That's fair. <laughs> I love that so much. And then my friend from New Zealand, <laughs> I she swear, like, you know, I'm I from swear, New Scarlett, Zealand, right? I know that you live in New Zealand. <laughs> Um, but I was asking her because I was like, do you have any friends or family or anybody, you know, who lives in Australia or who has been to Australia? And she said that she's pretty sure that people there like it as well. And that it was really big in Australia at one point. Um, so (laughs) good news from down under. (laughs) You've heard it here first, mates. Everyone in Australia loves kangaroo jack it's a wait that's a blanket unanimous it's a unanimous decision i don't know if we should say friends speak for all of australia (laughs) one of them doesn't even live there do they even have do they have a prime minister or a president you know that's a great question (laughs) the australian government has just phoned in and told us that they love it yeah, I don't know enough. Um, <laughs> the Australian president writes, I am Bolo Man. <laughs> oh my God. I'm literally Googling. Does Australia. <laughs> but yeah. I, yeah, so I didn't hate it. It was very early 2000s humor. So if you're big into early 2000s. Oh my gosh, yes. Dumb humor. It's, it's you know, it's enjoyable. It's pretty good. It has, I think it has a few really clever jokes in it that I would not have gotten without being an adult and Definitely. you know watching it. I think as a kid they just totally flew over my head and I was very prone to all of the baseline 
debaucherous humor. Whereas <laughs> as an adult, I'm like, oh, okay. Like I'm catching things and understanding jokes that I definitely just did not get as a kid. Right. First and foremost, I thought that this movie would have been so much better suited for like an R-rated comedy, like bromance yeah. film. Just like stupid, like hangover-esque comedy. Yeah. And it's so funny because a few years ago, Jerry O'Connell said that there is an R-rated version of the film oh that exists. What? And he... yeah. <laughs> He said an R-rated cut of the movie exists, and it has, like, swearing, full frontal nudity, like, everything. What? Yeah. <laughs> wait, oh, wait. I Like, my mind is blown. Yes. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, I need to see this, because it was such a strange, it was such a strange combination watching this film and being like, this is not kid-friendly at all. Yeah. To being like, okay, some of these scenes are really kid-friendly, but like, I wouldn't show this to kids. Yeah, I feel like I read somewhere that they had a little bit of a raunchier version, but I did not know it was an R-rated version and that it was fully adult. <laughs> right? And now I want to see it. I mean, I'm like, do I want to see it? <laughs> would, <laughs> would the R-rated version actually have tanked it like they expected it would have if they had marketed this as an adult movie? Okay. I mean, this film already got destroyed by critics. I'm sure if they put out an R-rated version... It still would have gotten destroyed by critics, but you know what? It might have done a little better. Oh, no. I have never cared what the critics think. I mean, is it going to tank for me? <laughs> the critics can suck my toe. <laughs> Two times. I feel like if this movie, like everyone's big critique about this was that it was marketed as a kid's movie and it really wasn't appropriate as a kid's movie. Right. I feel like if they had made it an R-rated movie and like advertised it as an R-rated movie, it might have done well, you know? I don't know. You think so? I mean, that's like, that's everybody's general consensus is that it wouldn't have done well. And that's oh. why it did so well is because they were sneaky text about it. Text your Australian friends right now. <laughs> text them. <laughs> Ask them. They would know. <laughs> How do you guys think this would have done? Right. <laughs> Just asking for a friend. For a friend. <laughs> you guys don't speak for all of Australia or anything. No pressure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah, there was, I think there was only like a couple parts of this that made me cringe as an adult now. I think oh my gosh. the biggest one was probably the fart scene, which is- what? I think just because like we always make fun of things that have super lowbrow humor and don't try to be clever and just go for like the fart jokes or the poop jokes or whatever. So like that's probably the one thing. But like given that it is technically a kid's movie. OK, fine. I'll let it pass. I'm what? I was say I'm sorry. I actually laughed at that scene. Do you know how they made that scene? Do I want to know? You want to know. The, <laughs> those are not me. those are not fully artists. Those are not sound effects. Those are actual people. They literally could not find a sound that they felt mimicked a camel farting. So those are actual people who ate beans and then farted <gasps> into a microphone. <laughs> how do I get that job? <laughs> stop are you serious i am absolutely serious wow <laughs> i read that on the imdb page so if anybody wants to go see the trivia i i am almost 100 percent positive that those were real people <laughs> wow i really hope that they were like wearing diapers or something because that's insane. <laughs> um and then the only other 
scene that made me cringe as an adult is the, of course, the infamous mirage scene where Jesse comes up on the horse and Jerry O'Connell touches Estella Warren inappropriately and they make up later when he apologizes and lets her know I was hallucinating, et cetera, et cetera. But that scene is mad uncomfortable. Right? It was it was very cringy. Yeah. That whole relationship was extremely cringy. Right? Okay. I'm so glad that you said that. <laughs> yes, that entire relationship was extremely cringy. And I just wasn't feeling it. Like, first of all, you assaulted her like two seconds ago. <laughs> Literally. I just can't. And then like two seconds later, they're in a pool together. They're in like a waterfall together. And they're like, right. I was physically cringing during the waterfall scene. I was like, nothing about this is appropriate. And I was watching this with my parents. <laughs> I kept looking over at my mom. I was like, I was like, don't watch the movie. Don't watch the movie. I'm 26 years old. And I was like, don't make eye contact. It wasn't just, even that it was inappropriate. They were just so it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. They were like awkward together. Yes. That's the thing. It's so uncomfortable to watch. I was like, I'm watching this with my parents and this is a PG movie and this should not make me uncomfortable, but it did. It's like secondhand embarrassment almost like it wasn't yeah. it wasn't even like neither one of them is naked neither one of them is being inappropriate they're just making but the dialogue, the dialogue is horrible it was not good and then yeah I felt like she had way better chemistry actually with Anthony Anderson in their quick yes. little scene about the <laughs> the bilbies yeah their little thing like I was like Oh my God, if they had gotten together, that would have been such a plot twist and so oh much more gosh. enjoyable to me because I was like, they had chemistry right off the bat, though I will maintain right. that Anthony Anderson can make chemistry with anyone. Yeah, that's very true. They could have sung, sang songs together on his new mixtape and everything. Also, do you think that Jerry O'Connell looks exactly like Jason Bateman? Because thank you for saying that. For the longest time, I thought they were the same person. <laughs> Jason Bateman was in this movie. Me too. (laughs) So for everyone who wants to know, it's not Jason Bateman. It's Jerry O'Connell. Who would have thought? (laughs) His twin stepbrother, twice removed. Like, they are scarily identical. Like, scary. Yes, it's actually insane. (laughs) I'm so glad that you thought the same thing because I thought I was absolutely out of my mind. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. My sister and I watched Arrested Development Mm -hmm. a few months ago. Like we watched the entire series and the whole time I was like, I love this guy. He's from Kangaroo Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Just further proof. I know nothing. You're doing your very best. (laughs) But yeah, I, I love how the movie starts off with a young Charlie who, who was Jerry O'Connell's character. Right. And a young Lewis, who was Anthony Anderson's character. Right. And they both are on the beach, and Lewis is walking around with a metal detector, and he's putting the metal detector on people's pockets. (laughs) (laughs) Smart man. (laughs) Right? I love how he's just out here looking for gold in people's pockets. And then he had the nerve to call Charlie out for having... (laughs) 
like this button or whatever he had in his pocket. He was like, really? That's all you got in there? I was like, are you kidding me? You're the one searching people's pockets. And then you're going to give this this guy crap because of what he has in his pocket. He's right, though. <laughs> he wasn't wrong, but he wasn't right either. I thought that the uh, in that scene, the young Michael Shannon, so the young Frankie character, I thought that he was actually pretty spot on for looking just like Michael Shannon. Yeah. I was really surprised because Michael Shannon has such a unique face. He does. Very similar to like how Willem Dafoe has such a unique oh my face gosh. and very specific features. I was like, they actually got a kid who like shockingly pulls it off. Like yeah. really does look like him. Right? So I was really impressed with that. Good job on casting. Good job, guys. It's about the only thing you got right. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh no. Um, I thought the part where they were taking pictures of Jackie Legs after they hit him was hilarious because that is so ahead of its time to everyone always having to post everything on Instagram and like, oh my gosh, this just happened. Here, let me take 15 million pictures. Right. I thought that was hilarious. And then it totally bit them in the butts. Like, it was hilarious. <laughs> One of the parts that I really liked, too, was when Lewis was walking through the airport and he was just like, good eye, Mike, to everyone and like snapping pictures of random (laughs) people in the airport. Like, what are you doing? But he was so right, though. If you just play it off like you have confidence and you're acting like X, Y, Z, you can totally do anything. Like you can walk anywhere as long as you have enough confidence to do it, you know? Not recommended, guys. Do not smuggle $50,000 yeah, into another yeah. country that, for the but mob. Like, but, like, <laughs> if you walk into a bar and you don't know anybody, just walk, walk with your head up high. Pretend like you, you yeah. go there all the time. You're a regular. <laughs> exactly. Go to the bartender and be like, I'll have my usual. <laughs> the bartender's going to be like, sorry? <laughs> right? The door's that way. You just came in through it. Just go back out. <laughs> But yeah, I felt so bad for Charlie this entire movie. I felt like a lot of the movie, he didn't have any control over what was happening to him. And every time something started working out in their favor, Lewis would ruin it. And all of a sudden they would have to like go a million miles out of the way or like walk 200 miles to like fix it. You know what I mean? So I felt so bad for Charlie this entire movie. But I think my favorite was Lewis. Like my yeah. favorite character throughout this whole movie was Anthony Anderson's character, Lewis. Absolutely. He was so funny. Yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I didn't feel that bad for Charlie because I kind of agreed with Lewis in the scene where, where Charlie's basically like, you ruin everything. This is awful. And Lewis is like, all you do is complain. You just let things happen to you. You never actually stand right. up for yourself or make any changes or do anything. Like you just complain about it. And I was like, he's kind of right. Yeah, but then again, you got Lewis, who literally stole the money from Charlie when they were in the airport and, like, gets past security and all that. And then um, Charlie goes up to the guy and he tries to do the same thing that Lewis just did. And he gets strip searched. And Lewis just lets it happen. Yeah, but if he got strip searched and he had the money on him, they would have found it and then he would have been in jail. So it's a good thing that Lewis took the money. I mean, yeah, but it was just so funny to me. I was like, you couldn't have told Charlie that you had the money. This He literally nah. let his best friend get cavity searched because he <laughs> didn't tell him. <laughs> and he was just standing back like, oh, by the way, I stole the money. <laughs> I think Charlie got cavity searched because he brought in hair clipping scissors. Like, whose hair are you <laughs> clipping in Australia? <laughs> just in case of emergency. Just in case he really <laughs> needs to cut some hair. 
You know what? Speaking of hair, I think I read somewhere else also that Jerry O'Connell had actually cut off all his hair before they did <gasps> reshoots. Oh, and yeah. And so part of his hair is like actually like extensions because his hair <laughs> wasn't long enough to match what it was when they first started filming. <laughs> that is so funny. But I honestly didn't even notice. I didn't notice either. And yeah, some people online were saying that they could tell in certain scenes. I was like, I just, I can't tell. Honestly, all men's hair looks the same to me. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the early 2000s when like messy, like shaggy hair was kind of yeah. in, in like, it's, it's not that noticeable. Yeah. And he's always playing with his hair cause he's supposed to be a hairdresser. So he's like always touching it, always playing with it. And I'm like, when you're right. doing that, I don't notice because your hands are in the way, you know? Right. Okay. So I will say that the dialogue in this movie is horrible. There were so many scenes in this movie where someone said something and I was like, really? That that's the line you're going with? But <laughs> I kind of understood it because it's supposed to be a kid's movie. Like it's supposed to be PG. So some of the scenes are like, okay, like this is really childish. But then you have like, someone says like, damn or ass and like a few things. So like, if you're really against cursing, like right. in any aspect, like, don't watch this movie, but <laughs> they don't say, like, the B word or the F word or anything, but they say, like, the basic ones. And it's just, it's so, it's so confusing. I'm like, who is the dialogue for? Because then you have, like, this scene with them in the, in the waterfall, and it's, like, so uncomfortable. And then you have, like, them talking in the bar, and, like, it's just so much is going on. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that it was kind of like they couldn't decide who this film was actually geared towards because yeah, Thank like we you. said, yes. a lot of the scenes and the humor were very childish and very yeah. immature and very, they very much seemed like this is kid friendly. And some of the topics are kind of dumbed down to be very like kid oriented, but yeah. then they would have these other random scenes, which honestly might have been from the R rated cut that they just left in <laughs> that they just kept in there. And it's like, yeah, those are more adult humor, but they, don't quite fit with the tone yeah. of the rest of it. Like if you're going to dumb down the mob stuff and make it all seem just kind of like very surface level, then you include these yeah. like extra either dark or like very raunchy scenes. And it's like, that doesn't fit with the general tone. <laughs> right. And I honestly forgot that the mafia was even in this movie until I rewatched it. Yeah. <laughs> Just because all I remembered was them trying to chase Kangaroo Jack through the Australian Outback. Like, that's really all that I remembered. Surprisingly, that was one of the biggest things that I did remember was that they were bringing money to somebody to kill them. Yeah. I didn't remember exactly how they were tied up with the people who gave them the money and how that all happened. But I knew that it happened. And I because I remember that was like one of the greatest cinematic plot twists to me as like an eight, <laughs> eight to nine year old. I was like... Right. Right. Oh my gosh, like they were gonna pay for someone to kill them. <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And honestly, I I liked that twist. I thought that was such an yeah. interesting twist. And I thought it was hilarious that Charlie, Jerry O'Connell's character, was like, oh man. <laughs> like, yeah. Like they were like, oh, this was what a good twist, right? And Charlie was like, not for us. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because like at the beginning, Christopher Walken's character, they're like, what are you going to do when they come back home? And he goes, yeah. they're not coming home. He goes, I'm canceling their return flight. And obviously now as an adult, you're like, oh, the implication. Right. But when you're a kid, you're like, oh, they canceled their return flight. They can't get on a plane to come home. Oh, <laughs> like, man. 
And then the end part happens and the plot twist and you're like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. So yeah, it, it it's a very good plot twist. Um, so I guess I, I was gonna say, I'm going to run through like sort of the general overarching oh, plot definitely. for those who haven't seen it, if you want to, definitely. or if, you know, Please. if you haven't seen it in a while, and you don't remember. Please give us the rundown. So yeah, I mean, the rundown of the, that whole plot yes. setup is that basically Jerry O'Connell, who plays Charlie. Charlie's stepfather is Christopher Walken, a mob boss. And he has screwed up for the last time with his friend, Lewis. And they basically get sent to Australia to give $50,000 to a Mr. Smith. Yeah. And he's supposed to just accept the money and they will get back in his stepfather's good graces, et cetera, et cetera. Awesome. Yeah. They get there. Obviously, this whole calamity of events happens. They lose the money. They have to find the money. And then when they finally get the money back... And they give it to Frankie, who is his stepfather's henchman, who has come to make sure that they complete the job. It turns out that they were paying Mr. Smith to murder them in the desert so they would not come home. (gasps) What a plot twist. Plot twist. So it's genuinely, it's a really interesting plot. Like, I'm going to be very honest. For all the marks that this doesn't miss, the plot of it is actually really well thought out and really, really funny and interesting. But the execution in some parts, <laughs> it's so not, great. not so much, not so great, but I was entertained. I did watch the whole thing. I was entertained. <laughs> yes. Honestly, I will say my biggest gripe with this film is probably that Jesse really wasn't needed. Yeah. I thought that this film would have been so much better if it was just about the bromance and the friendship between Lewis and Charlie. Yeah. I thought it would have been so much better because then you have that like great line at the end, which I actually really liked when Charlie was like, you save my life every day to Lewis. And he was like, you're not a burden on me. Like you're my best friend and da 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 You know what I yeah. mean? Like it's, it was really heartfelt. And then you got Jesse in the background who's like, Oh, hey, guys, I'm just here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And she was introduced in a weird way, too, because it just out of the blue, Charlie's like, I'm never going to meet a girl. And it's like, when did we get on this topic? Exactly. So I agree with you. I think it would have been better as just a buddy movie and just the two of them, like Bad Boys, where it's just like the two of them against all these odds, against all of these crazy things that happen. Right? Think about how many successful just buddy movies there are. I mean, there's Bad Boys, there's Bill and Ted. I mean, there's The Hangover yeah. we mentioned. Like, there's Step Brothers. Step Brothers, just movies about <laughs> dudes' kid's friendship movie, but, yeah. and dudes showing each other like love and affection is so yeah. cool and interesting to me and way more enticing to me to watch as a viewer to, yeah. to see like these two guys and their cool bromance and how much they love each other than for us to like insert this random third character who's really more like eye candy and is kind of just there as a plot device you know yeah definitely and the only other character that I thought was that I wish we would have seen more of was blue I thought he was hilarious (laughs) in this movie so blue is an older gentleman that they meet in a bar and he gets absolutely hammered and basically a bunch of stuff goes south and they need an escape and Lewis meets Jesse and he's like, hey, I just got this number for someone who can fly us out of here and get us to Kangaroo Jack. And basically the guy who was supposed to fly them is the guy that was drunk in the bar. And so they have to like wake him up, give him like a million gallons of coffee and Red Bull (laughs) and he flies them out into the outback. And like so much stuff goes wrong. And Blue ends up being left like after a after a plane crash and everything. And like, 
I thought that one line was hilarious after they crashed and like 10 seconds later, he just all of a sudden pokes his head up and he's like, assume crash position. And I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) He was just so funny. And then this poor old man just gets like left in the middle of the outback because he just like was with the wrong people at the wrong time and in the wrong place. And it just, yeah, I felt so bad for him, but I loved his character. I wish we would have seen more of him. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, the one that I wish we had seen more of is Mr. Jimmy. He was so quick in the movie. And then you find out at the end that he's part of like Australian police and he was actually working undercover. And I was like, what the heck? I wanted more Mr. Jimmy scenes. (laughs) We're like figuring like, like even if, you know, that was the big plot twist at the end, which I thought was great that, you know, they showed him and they were like, oh my God, he was undercover. I wish we just had more scenes of him where we could like just I don't know bond with him more I don't know I really yeah, liked him so build I was more of a connection yeah I just liked him so that's probably like the one thing I would change about this it's just more Mr. Well, besides the ones that we mentioned <laughs> besides everything besides a few <laughs> other things that I would totally add more Mr. Jimmy yeah I honestly wish that we would have seen more of Lewis's insane antics prior to this movie oh yes <laughs> I just always want to see more of Anthony Anderson yeah and like there was one part of this movie where um, Anthony Anderson was like explaining in the beginning how he got like this truck full of stolen TVs and he said something like well this person did this and Jerry O'Connell's character was like you start every story like that and I was like what is every story like we want to hear it we want to see him <laughs> getting into all these insane situations and trying to get out of them yeah absolutely I love him so much like it's like same to me, it's the same as like when he was in the first Transformers movie and you're like, where <laughs> is he in the rest of the franchise? Like you He's wasted Anthony Anderson. Anthony Anderson leaves such a mark on every role that he, he plays in every movie that he's in. He's just like, can you guys tell that we love him? Like he's just insanely yeah. talented and insanely funny. He's just fantastic. I love him. The last note that I have is, would you go camping in the Australian Outback if given a chance? No, (laughs) no, I don't even need to think about that. Absolutely not. One of my friends from the beginning, I literally told her, I was like, I love you so much, but we are not hanging out in person until you are stateside because I am... For the very reason that Jesse said, nine out of 10 of the most dangerous snakes in the world live in Australia and they all come out at night. And I was like, no, absolutely not. It's not for me. And they saw dingoes and when the guy, Mr. Smith, was threatening to feed them to the crocs. I'm like, no, thank you. I'm good. Yeah. So you wouldn't camp out either? Hell no. (laughs) That just, honestly, that just reminds me, like one of my sister's college friends, her name was Fran that they went to college with. And um, she's from Australia and she watched a Discovery Channel episode about Australia's deadliest animals. Right. And she was like, she was like, they don't tell us about any of this. Like (laughs) I grew up in Australia, not even knowing that half of these creatures lived here. So... I just, I cannot, I can't. I'm like, oh, just thinking about it scares the crap out of me. Yeah, no, big, hard no. If I were to go to Australia, I would only hang out in the cities. And even then I hear these things about how you have to like look in the toilet before you use it and like look for like (gasps) Uh, spiders the size of your palm. I'm not about it. Like, I will I, only hang out at P. Sherman 42 Wallaby Way, Sydney. That is it. That is the only place I will hang out. <laughs> That's amazing. 
But yeah, like just the whole aspect of them trying to camp out. They had to camp out like twice in the middle of the outback. I was like, no, not having it. Yeah. Yeah. No, couldn't, can't do it. Can't do it. Love that for you guys. I will watch on TV. (laughs) Right? So for our critic ratings, let's get into it. Let's do it. Strap in because these are rough. (laughs) On IMDb, Kangaroo Jack received a 4.4 out of 10. Woof. It received an insanely bad 8% critic rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. Eight. Not even 10. Not even double digits. Not even double. (laughs) Yeah. It received a 29% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Oof. And a grueling one out of five stars on Common Sense Media. And Common Sense Media are the nice ones. Like, wow. 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 Oof. Oof. Well, you know, (laughs) that's how the cookie crumbles. That's how the dominoes fall. (laughs) Just wow, everyone. That's how the kangaroos jump. That's it. That's how it be. Oof. Well... Let's see if we're any nicer. So for our ratings, we can rate this on a scale of A plus to F minus. A plus meaning critics still know nothing. This film is so much fun. I want to be as cool as Jackie Legs when I grow up, and I will probably quote this movie until the end of time. F minus meaning this film deserves all the criticism it gets. The storyline has many Australia-sized plot holes. The romance between Jesse and Charlie was unnecessary and cheesy, and basically this movie is nostalgic in the worst way possible. Lex... (laughs) On a scale of A plus to F minus, what would you rate this? Okay, so I'm just going to give a quick disclaimer because (laughs) I did not think it was as bad as 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. (laughs) I thought that this was a solid C minus D plus range, probably more towards D plus. I'm going to say D plus. So it was not good, (laughs) but it was not as bad as 8% on Rotten Tomatoes. What do you, what do you think? I'm going to be a little nicer. I think I'm going to give it a solid C. I think a solid C feels fair to me. Like I said, I was entertained by it and there's still a lot of nostalgic memories. I think that I attribute to this, but I was entertained and minus the cringy, interactions between Jesse and Charlie I really enjoyed the bromance of it so I'll give it a solid C I think the main reason why I give this a D plus is one because it was it's so nostalgic to us because we did watch this a lot as kids and I feel like I have to be nicer than like saying that it fails completely and the other reason is because I feel like this movie had so much potential to really be like an A plus movie and they just didn't go there you know like it's just kind of a lot of it fell flat to me so fair um like I still I still laughed in a lot of parts but it it just it was not I probably won't rewatch this again (laughs) for a long time unless I need to watch something brainless that I can just like throw on and not pay attention to. honestly a lot of the things I watch are pretty brainless so (laughs) (laughs) right all right So we hope you guys enjoyed this week's episode. We would like to let everyone know that in honor of next week's 50th episode anniversary, we will be having a social media giveaway. 
and an Instagram live celebration. So make sure yes. you follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Chasing Childhood Podcast and on Facebook at Just Chasing Childhood. You can enter the giveaway starting today and we will be accepting entries until next Tuesday, the day before our 50th episode premieres. Like Steph said, we're going to have an Instagram live celebration. It'll be Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, which is uh, what, 4 4 p.m. Pacific. Yep. Pacific. Yeah. And we will announce the winner of the giveaway during the live stream. So follow, 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 follow us. Follow. Follow us. For announcements and information on how to enter the giveaway. You guys got to follow us on social media if you want to know the instructions for how to enter the giveaway. Yes. And we can't wait to celebrate one year on this channel with all of you. Yes. We'll see you all next week for our 50th episode celebration. We can't wait. We're gonna enjoy to <laughs> We're gonna <laughs> celebrate Wednesday. We can't wait. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I have reached rock bottom. <laughs> Bye everybody. Bye everyone. See you next week. <laughs>